You are now listening to the Hack My Age podcast, the show that brings you guests for biohacking women over 50. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a gerontologist, digital nomad, certified sports nutrition, and breathing coach. I'm the author of the Longevity Master Plan, the cookbook, Eating for Longevity, and a new upcoming energy reboot program for women over 50. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and I would really appreciate it if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find us too. This is a really small but very critical gesture that makes a huge impact for me to support a podcast for older women, help us grow stronger, get our voice out there, and attract even more amazing guests to the show for you and for me. You can now watch all of our podcast interviews on the Hack My Age YouTube channel. Some of our guests bring slideshows, so it's really great to have. Every week there is a new video, so just search Hack My Age on YouTube.com or find the link on the Hack My Age website. Before we start the show, I am so excited to announce that we are having another group menopause class starting October 1st. This one is all about optimizing our energy. So if you're feeling tired all the time and, and want to learn how to hack it, then this program is for you. Now you can join me and 20 other fabulous women from around the world to go through the four week program together. And we get to meet live on Zoom every week to keep you accountable and answer your questions. And if you grab a spot now, you can get a discount of 30% with the code EARLYBIRD on the hackmyage.com website where you're going to find the Menopause Energy Reboot Program. But if you have to hurry because the offer is good only until September 12th. So the women who already went through the program not only got more energy, but as a byproduct, they got more muscle and strength. They burned more fat. They sleep way better. They feel more in control and they learned what to expect in this menopause transition and how to hack their way out of it. But if you cannot wait, then you can also follow the program alone without my guidance and go at your own pace. And the program is also on the hackmyage.com website. And if you got questions, just shoot me a message on the site and I'll have links to all the programs in the show notes. So now let's get started with the show. Ever since my first podcast on peptides, I have been getting a lot of questions about them and now with the weight loss peptides circulating the media, showing that celebrities are using them and hearing about their side effects, and but they're also here that they're effective, people are totally confused. Uh, so do we try them? Do we not try them? And that's why I invited Dr. Eric Fett to clear all the confusion and to share his take on this drug. Now, Dr. Fett is the founder of Primex, which is a company all about preventative health, age management, and peak performance. If you're watching the YouTube video, you can see his logo in the background. It's very clear. <laughs> you can find them easily. Now, Primex, they sell nutrition products. They post educational material on their website, and they have physician-grade supplements, which are wonderful to know that they are safe and probably effective. He does hormone therapy and personalized health plans to optimize your health. Dr. Eric's motto is learning from the past, living for today, and transforming the future. 
Now, Dr. Fett, uh, to give you a little background on him, he's got a background in microbiology and a medical degree from the prestigious Chicago College of Osteopathic Medicine. So he's an osteopath by training. He didn't want to stop there. So he got certified in age management medicine by the Age Management Medicine Group, which is jointly sponsored by Synogenics Education and Research Foundation, that's CERF, and the Foundation for Care Management. Now, these organizations are accredited by seven other sponsoring organizations, including the American Medical Association and the American Board of Medical Specialties. And Dr. Eric didn't want to stop there either. So he got certified in advanced bioidentical hormone replacement therapy by WorldLink Medical. So we're talking to a guy who knows the ladies and our hormones. This is a rare find. <laughs> But he didn't want to stop there either. So he decided he wanted to learn all there is to know about peptides. So he got certified by the International Peptide Society, and he's a member of the SEEDS Scientific Research and Performance Institute, which you probably heard before in my interviews with Dr. Elizabeth Yurth. So Dr. Eric is pretty qualified to be talking about peptides and women's hormones. But before we start, I want you to take the content in this podcast for information purposes only. And we're hearing just one point of view. So be health literate, do your due diligence, hear both sides of the story, and then talk to your doctor. So now without further ado, let's meet Dr. Eric Fett. Welcome. Hey, good uh, morning, good afternoon, where you guys are. Thank you, Zora. That was an awesome introduction. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. Looking forward to it. You've done so much. <laughs> That's like a long bio. <laughs> But I love that because you're on top of it. And and that's yeah, not just not so common. So we're gonna talk about the two camps uh, and opinions on semiglutides, which are the weight loss peptides. You're either pro or against them. And now everybody has a convincing argument, but we're still totally lost. And I would love for you to clear some of this confusion, explain both of these sides, and then share what side you're on and and why. Um, first, maybe we need to even cover what is this drug and what it's all about and assume that our audience doesn't even know what a peptide is. So maybe let's just backtrack as, as far as we can. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I agree. There's a ton of, as with everything in uh, pretty much every, every topic, but definitely medicine, there's so much information out there. It's easy to get overwhelmed and confused and uh, that's kind of why one of the reasons I do my videos and I do what I do. I try to, I'm a very simple guy. I try to break things down, make it as simple as possible because it can be, as you said, there's a lot of multiple perspectives and, you know, I try to break it down and make it as simple as possible. And I want it to be effective and safe for my patients and clients and anybody who's listening. And the world of peptides has actually been around for a very long time. And, you know, myself, my colleagues like Dr. Yerth and some of our other, we've been reading about and studying and using these peptides for years and years and years. It's just now that it's finally catching on with the public and, and um, and that's where some of the confusion lies. I th and I'll I'll talk about that because um, I think the same with hormones, uh, peptides. As as I as you mentioned, there's a lot of a lot of perspectives. And unfortunately, it's good and bad. It's good that that brings a lot of awareness and allows us to help more people. Uh, the flip side is that there's a lot of you know quote unquote experts who are self you know just kind of social media people who just have no medical training and they're just out there throwing out their opinion. And all of a sudden, they're hormone experts and they're peptide experts, uh, even though they're not. And and that's where it gets dangerous. And even though they interview people like me and Dr. Yurth, and then they turn around and just repurpose it for their own, you know, likes and, and comments and business. And it's, it's just not a good thing. And then you get these, 
all these things out there. And, and as you mentioned with the semaglutide, is it's it's certainly got very, very popular again, which is good, but it's also the flip side is that is that, you know, again, there's a lot of people getting on it or using it or promoting it who don't know what the hell they're doing. Sorry, hopefully I can cuss on here. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and then things can happen. So that, I think that's where the confusion and the, I guess, the the the, uh, the two sides of the story come because you hear both sides. And and usually it's because, again, same with hormones, there's people spouting it, talking about it and using it and promoting it who really, who think they do, but they don't really know what they're doing or know all the nuances of peptide therapy or hormone therapy. And that's where the education, the experience and the medical training comes in because there's a lot more to it. A lot of people think it's really, really easy and it's really, really not. <laughs> so. I don't think it's a drug. I want to. I said it was a drug, but I, I think you need to be a doctor to prescribe a drug, or, or is it? Let's explain what the basics are. Backing up, a peptide is is used as a drug, correct, and it has to be prescribed. Yes, just like everything, you can buy everything and anything online. Does it mean you should? No, of course not, because it's just not the same. You know, it's just not pharmaceutical grade. And I'm, I know my my colleagues have said the same thing. You know, they say they are, but they're not. There's a whole world difference between pharmaceutical grade and prescription medication versus what you can buy online at these peptide companies and all these things you see online there's a huge huge difference and first and foremost in my mind is the safety of my patients and i want them to using only the best so it is a drug now on the flip side the peptide is basically a protein molecule so kind of like hormones they're made in our bodies naturally so they're natural products and just like hormones yes they are made in more concentrated form and in a larger amount by the pharmaceutical companies so technically they are drugs and they are created however they they make them to be bioidentical meaning just like molecules in our body similar when we use say estrogen or thyroid or testosterone it's bioidentical it's not the synthetic form like say premarin it's the bio it's exactly like the estrogen that your body's making that my body makes same with peptides so peptides are just groups of protein molecules the classic example is insulin you know everybody knows what insulin is insulin is a peptide it's a basically a, a chain of amino acids it's just a protein molecule usually anywhere from 10 to 50 of these little amino acids in a string and that's what they are um, so they've been around for a long, long time. So insulin was the first one that was discovered. And then we discovered other peptides like the growth hormone peptides and other molecules. And semaglutide is also a peptide. And it's actually uh, what's called a, an in incretin molecule, meaning it acts inside the gut. And it does many, many things, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But it's made in the gut and helps our body to basically helps with metabolism and uh, uh, creating proper response to food and insulin response and managing our blood sugar, et cetera. The semaglutide is obviously a more concentrated form of that. It's a, it's a larger dose than what our bias can make, but we make, it's, it's what we call a DLP1 agonist. It's just, it's a glucagon-like receptor, basically a protein molecule, basically, but our bodies make that. But unfortunately, some people, they either don't make enough or it's just not functioning properly. And that's when we get into cases like obesity, insulin resistance, and diabetes and things of this nature. But in essence, that's what pro, uh, peptides are. They're basically protein molecules uh, strung together. And when the pharmacies, pharmacies create them, they basically try to make them exactly like the ones that are in their body, of course, in a, you know, getting a larger amount at one time. So hopefully that eliminates any confusion as to what these darn things are. But that <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds okay. So it sounds a little bit more natural than, um, and I hate this word natural <clears throat> because it's just, you know, drugs are, can be natural too, but just to let people understand the semaglutide is an umbrella term for these weight loss peptides, but um, with like Ozempic, for example, that's the brand name. because I think Ozempic is the one that's just been going around. And then there's GLP, GLP-1 agonists. What is that? Is, is there like a, 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 is that also an umbrella term for, is it the same thing as semaglutide? What's the difference between semaglutide and GLP-1 agonist? 
Yeah, the GLP-1 agonist is just its mechanism of action, how it works. So it works on those those increased molecules I was talking about, those receptors. So they're all GLP-1 agonists, but they have different names. Like the first one, you know, it, they looked at uh, several, you know, uh, um, years and years and years ago. Like liraglutide was one that first came out. And then you had um, some of these other ones that you'll see. Like you said, there's brand names and there's generic names, but they're all GLP-1 agonists. But they the pharmacies have different names. So there's ones called Trilicity, Ozempic, Monjaro, all these different names. But they're all pretty much the same thing. So they're all GLP-1 agonists. They all work on that receptor uh, in the gut. Basically, these, these GLP-1 molecules are made in the gut and in response to food. So that's what they're all GLP-1 agonists, but they all have different names depending on kind of like you have Motrin and Bayer and Advil and Aleve. They're all they're all basically ibuprofen, uh, but they're different names, right? So that's hopefully that there's some confusion there. Yeah, because you hear these words floating around. I'm sure people are confused. What's, you know, I thought it was just Dezempic and that's it. Right. So that's, yeah, exactly. So, okay, we've got these sort of these medical terms and then we have the brand names. And then we, it's interesting. This is, you know, go, these are, these are peptides that work in the gut and, and it's not a fat burning thing. It's actually changing the way you're metabolizing food. So what are some of the, the contraindications to, to semaglutides, especially for what, you know, we want to keep in, in mind the audience as a peri- woman in peri or post-menopause, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s age group? Yeah, absolutely. So they're made in the gut, but they have effects all throughout the body, which I'll, I'll talk about later. But that's one of the cool things about them is that they have a lot of other health benefits. They were originally studied for Alzheimer's. They were, had a lot of neurocognitive and, uh, effects, and they were studying the, the cognitive enhancement and the improvement effects on the brain is how they were first discovered. But then as they were going through the studies, they found out, these, or as they were testing them for their cognitive bills, they found out, oh my gosh, it's a weird side effect. These people are really losing weight. Interesting. You know? And then they figured out why. And then, of course, you know, Big Pharma, you know, they, they, they thought they'd market it as a weight loss anti-diabetic drug. So that's how it kind of got that spin. But it's been used in the card. It's there's a lot of studies in the cardiac literature, basically all benefits on the heart and the brain and other parts of the body. But of course, like I said, you know, everybody's hearing about it for diabetes and for weight control and obesity. So since it's modeled after a natural and creed molecule, it's very, very safe. Not very many contraindications or reason not to use it. And we'll talk about the the flip side, the, the dark side later, what's how not to use them and how they're being misused later and the right way to use them and how to use them in conjunction with other peptides and hormones. Cause it's, Kind of like a symphony, putting all these pieces together and, and making them work properly to achieve your goals. Um, and that's where, what's not happening in a lot of cases. And that's where some of these issues are happening. But if you have um, pancreatitis, for example, an active problem with your pancreas, then that would be a reason that you really couldn't give one of these medications because obviously that's where everything, that's where insulin is made. Everything is happening there. So if you have active, active pancreatitis or an active uh, cancer, it's probably not going to be used, but you're probably not going to be using a lot of things if you have an active cancer. Uh, but other above and beyond that, there's really not any true hard contraindications not to use the drug, uh, unless you're having some other issues too. Of someone who has severe psychological disease like anorexia or some, some serious um, issues like that, then you know they're trying to deal with you know they have uh, you know body weight issues, body you know uh, perception issues, and things like that. But in general, from a medical perspective, not much else. That's yeah. We kind of jumped the gun and went. I went straight to the contraindications, but because we understand the. The reason why people take this, at least is what we've been hearing, is for weight loss and in particular, perhaps to uh, control the blood glucose levels, because this is um, uh, the problem. I guess this is sort of like you said, the diabetics. It's interesting that it was originally found out because they were used on Alzheimer's patients or supposedly. so, So does this mean that there are benefits to the brain? Yes, definitely. 
yeah, there's benefits to the brain. There's benefits to the heart. A lot of patients who have uh, cardiovascular disease or predisposed who are, or who have had cardiovascular issues, there's a lot of, there's a big benefit. And this is a whole lecture in and of itself, but it uh, has a lot of benefits and it's used for patients who've had like uh, a stent or an open heart surgery because it can help prevent the remodeling or the fibrosis or the thickening of the tissue. It can help improve the ejection fraction, meaning how much blood your heart is pumping out. And there's a lot of studies showing that it's basically, it can prevent, it's an antioxidant and improves nitric oxide production, which is going to help your uh, blood flow uh, through the heart and through elsewhere in the body. Uh, again, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant properties, and it can actually prevent um, atheros, you know, help with the prevention of atherosclerosis because it prevents that clogging of the arteries with the with the clots, right? It can uh, kind of downplay that inflammatory response. All the little immune cells go in there and start building up plaque. And then same thing with the brain, a lot of neurocognitive effects as well. So it has a lot of other, I hate this word, but quote unquote, anti-aging effects, you know, on the brain and the heart. And of course, as you just mentioned, um, that was one of the things they discovered is initially before it really got promoted for weight loss is being used for di diabetics and people having some resistance because it does, it does a tremendous job. So I have a lot of patients, for example, women who have PCOS uh, or insulin resistance or they're diabetic and it can, has a, a great response to lowering that blood sugar, lowering that hemoglobin A1C, which is the, how it tracks your insulin and your blood sugar levels over the last three months. And it improves your, all those parameters. It can improve your triglyceride levels, improve your, if you have a fatty liver, all these different things that can help from a health perspective. And if you can lower your risk of, you improve your blood sugar, improve, improve your triglycerides, all these things, it's lowering your risk of diabetes, lowering your risk of cardiovascular disease, which are, of course, as we all know, the number one killer of men and women is heart disease. So it has a tremendous effect. And yes, it will help with lose weight. But again, that's only a positive thing if it's done right, because again, obesity is an inflammatory process and can lead to all those diseases and issues that we've talked about. So it's hitting it on multiple fronts by reducing all of our risks for these disease processes. Well, that makes sense, actually. When you're trying to control your blood sugar, you lose a little bit of weight, uh, your heart gets uh, freed up a little bit, and then the type three diabetes, Alzheimer's being, you know, looking into that connection, it, it just, it's all one system, right? It's not just you know, one thing. So it, it makes, I can see the domino effect on many other, other parts of the body and the brain. So, you know, I'm thinking this drug or it's a, let's say the, the semaglutides in general are really originally used for people who are obese, who cannot control the blood sugar, perhaps have tried everything in terms of diet and exercise, and they just still cannot move the needle. But when we see our friends taking it who are not obese, and they just want to lose, I don't know, five or 10 pounds or something that, you know, it's, it's the menopause belly for example is what we're seeing right now in this in this air in this area we we become more insulin sensitive uh, sorry we have uh, insulin resistant so yeah. we we become that means we just can't eat as many carbs as we used to or just get away with as the stuff that we did when we were younger so this episode is sponsored by Oxford Healthspan the creators of my favorite supplement, Primadine. I admit it, I am a total supplement junkie, but if I had to choose only one, it would be this one. And it's because Primadine is spermidine, and this is shown to activate autophagy, which is super important. Now, this is a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age. 
So as we get older, our cells accumulate a lot of junk and waste, which isn't good for our cells, our health, nor our longevity. So we need to clean it up. And if you want the research on this, go to OxfordHealthSpan.com and you can see all of it, showing how spermidine supports our brain, our hormones, and our heart health. And another great side effect is stronger hair, skin, and nails, but also longer eyelashes. But you know, the real important reason why I love Primidine is because I have never, ever received as much feedback on a product I recommended as I have with Primidine. Literally every week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And most of the time, it's about improved sleep. And even some of you told me it's reversed a bit of your gray hair too. So I find that totally amazing. So I can honestly say with 100% certainty that Primadine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on OxfordHealthSpan.com. Just be sure to get back to me with your results too. Now enjoy the show. Can we take this just to lose that five or 10 pounds that just won't budge? And where does the whole diet and lifestyle come in? Yeah, that's a great point. And that's one of the things that's that we're seeing that flip argument, right? You know, you know, if you have like five pounds to lose or 10, you know, should you be taking this medication? Can you? Of course you can. I don't think you necessarily is the best choice because it's, you know, have you really done everything you need to? Probably not. And most people, as you know, just want the quick fix. Um, so it's probably not the best choice because it's kind of like using a shotgun to go shoot a squirrel, right? It's just a little bit of an overkill. Um, can it be done safely? Of course it can, but it, you know, you'll be on and off it in no time. It's no, no, no harm, no foul, but I, is it in an inappropriate usage? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Again, I, I'm one who I, I give a lot of my clients tough love and I push them a little bit because I want them to get their lifestyle in check. Cause have the, as again, have they really done everything to, to get there? Most people have not, and we need to get them there. And because the whole goal is to get people running on their own without using anything, right? Look, I mean, I use these medications, I love them, but if I can get somebody doing stuff and enhancing their body and health for free with just you know, nutrition and exercise and, and mindset, et cetera, then fantastic. I try to I try to get everything, I try to get people to, to do as much things that are free or cheap as possible before we go spending money on all these medications, you know, because I just think that's the right thing to do. That being said, can they, can they be helpful? Of course they can, but that's where a lot of these, these, these people are, you're seeing this stuff online where everybody and everybody's trying to use it. Oh, I just want to lose these five pounds so I get my bikini next month. I mean, is that the right thing to do? I, probably not. You know, is it going to hurt anything? Again, depends on who you're working with. If you're just working through, you know, Susie Smith, the trainer at the gym who happens to know someone who can get her peptides, well, it's probably not the best, smartest thing to do. And I see that a lot with testosterone and estrogen and with, with the hormone world too. Everybody's out there promoting it and offering it. And people just want the the quote unquote, the quick fix. They're like, "Well, I don't want to diet and exercise. I just want to give just give me that shot, doc. I just want to I want to get jacked. Just give me the shot." I'm like, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not your guy because that's not the right thing for you. Um, you need to do everything. You have to have the lifestyle, the, the eating right, the exercise, um, everything. You have to have everything dialed in, and then they're going to work even better. I mean, again, can you can you use it? Yeah. And sometimes people do need a little bit of jumpstart because I do get those people who they are they're busting their butt and they're doing everything and they're just not budging. They have insulin resistance, they're overweight, you know, their numbers are off. And, and sometimes they just don't feel, they can't get, they just don't have that drive. So those are the guys that, or the women that I will maybe start on testosterone or a hormone or another hormone or a peptide just to kind of jumpstart. And then we can kind of, well, and then that'll give them the drive, the motivation to start seeing some results. And then they can 
get the lifestyle in check. You know, that's a different case, right? Someone who's really busting their ass. But if the person is just kind of just, they just want the quick fix, you know, the easy streets, well, that's not the best choice. I don't think that's the right thing. Of course, people are going to do that and people are going to prescribe it for them. But, you know, is it the right thing? You know, that's kind of a moral judgment, I guess. But that's that's my perspective on it. But I feel that in general, all these therapies are best if done in conjunction with working with a medical team or your trainer and nutritionist to put it all together, because that's what it's all about. We want it all in check. We want their mindset, nutrition, exercise, hormones and peptides. We want all these things working together, like all the gears of a machine to get the machine running. So, but you can't do one without the other. You can, but it's just not going to be as effective. I can see the woman going through menopause, perimenopause, menopause, who, who really is trying hard and doing everything she can. And then because we are it's claimed, you know, we are, are become generally more insulin resistant. It, it it sounds like it'd be nice to have a little jump start to that because with all the efforts you're making, you to to yeah, let's have a little push. The but what I've seen in some of the circles that I, my my contacts or my friends or other people I, I just generally know, and I ask them, oh, they're on Ozempic, for example. Most of them, I think, are. So how's it going and, and what's, what's, what's happening? Everyone <laughs> across the board says, oh my God, I've been eating so many carbs and I love it and I'm still losing weight. Like, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> wow. And all I can say is like, don't get too used to that because this isn't the point to like start cleaning up the diet or I think some people just have a little fun and, and that's great. But then hopefully they'll get, you know, get motivated to finally start exercising if they haven't or push it a little harder at the gym or change something. And, and that's why I get scared when I hear that all the time. I'm like, oh my God, uh, it's, it's, it's great. But I think the idea is not to be on this the rest of your life. And I, I understand I, I, this is the, some of the research that's come out on this has been uh, looking at muscle mass and how it can actually decrease the muscle mass. You lose weight, but you lose some muscle mass as well. And I'm thinking about the woman going through menopause with the loss of estrogen where it's already hard enough to, to keep building muscle. So how do these semaglutides in generally affect a woman's muscle mass who's going through that peri and postmenopausal transition? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm glad you asked that because I, I did want to address that because that's come up a lot on social media. Before I get to that, let me back up on, on the whole, that example. It's, it's a classic example that I was talking about. It's kind of like the guy, like you see the commercials, like, hey, I get this bad, you know, the, what's like Larry the Cable guy, I get bad heartburn. I just take my product and I can go and eat all this and drink. I'm like, like you said, that's not the point. You want to fix that. Fix the underlying cause. I want to fix the underlying cause of a problem, not just cover it up with a Band-Aid. You know, it's kind of like I got a nail in my head and I take Motrin, I feel better. Well, take the nail out of your head. You know, it's a silly example, but it's like, let's fix the underlying cause and fix that behavior because then you don't need anything. If, let's fix the underlying behavior. And that's the, the, the sweet spot. And, and with women, I mean, I love working with perimenopausal and menopausal women. I have a lot of them and I love working with them because they're great and they're, they're motivated and they'll and I get good results. Um, and it, you're right, as with with the menopausal transition, it's a big problem. And it's and and it's oftentimes the hormones need to be addressed, which I will do, and that net needs to be fixed. And that can be that can be a huge benefit in and of itself without doing anything else. It takes a little bit longer than say starting on a mononozempic if they're looking just to lose weight, but all the health benefits are gonna happen that even more importantly, it's gonna, you know, by optimizing a woman's progesterone, estrogen, thyroid, et cetera, testosterone. They're going to live longer, stronger, better. Have they're not going to you know delay the risk of osteoporosis, of heart disease, reduce the risk of cancer, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of health benefits in addition to losing that menopausal weight gain that you that you mentioned. 
Um, and a lot of women, as I mentioned earlier, I, I, I treat a lot of PCOS and it's kind of a, the hidden, hidden disease, right? A lot of it's just, you have to look for it sometimes. And a lot of there's a, it's, it's a big problem and you don't outgrow it as you go through menopause, it actually becomes worse. So a lot of these women probably have undiagnosed PCOS or some insulin resistance issues, as you mentioned, and then it's just made worse by everything else, right? With the, you know, the stress and the, the toxins and the nutrient depleted soil and our lifestyles that we live. So it's a big problem. So that's why I love working with women who have these issues because we, you know, we can fix that. And again, lifestyle hormones and all these things. So but the, all those things have to be addressed. This is what I was telling her. It's like a puzzle. You have to put all these little pieces together and then each puzzle piece can affect the other puzzle pieces. And then you got to watch how they interact with each other. So it's, it's, it can be a little tricky. So getting to the muscle issue. So yes, um, if done properly, you will lose the majority of your weight. It's going to be fat. You know, can you, if you do, if you're really aggressive over, over a period of months, can you start to lose some muscle mass? I think there have been some people talking about that. Yes, you're going to start losing some muscle mass too. You can, but if you do it properly, you will not, or you will really minimize that. And then that's where we get into all the other strategies. Again, where they go to these clinics, they're just, I'll oh, just take the semaglutide and you'll, you'll be fine. Well, no, you need to be coached by a medical person who knows what they're doing because like all the peptides, I like to rotate different peptides and therapeutic regimens into a, into a system. So I'll do something for a few months and I'll mix it up and I'll do something else for a few months. And then I'll go back and back and forth and to keep the body growing. Cause again, you want you want to lose that fat, but you want to maintain or build that muscle. One of my hashtags on my social media is uh, muscle medicine. I like to practice what I call muscle medicine. Muscle is an endocrine organ. So my most, for me personally, that's my biggest priority. I want to build up your muscle mass as much as possible and maintain that because as we get older, it's an uh, uphill battle. We tend to lose it. And muscle has a, is an endocrine organ. It creates all kinds of uh, cytokines and myokines that have numerous health benefits. And you don't want to lose that hard-earned muscle because that's huge. And that will, and, and again, like, as, as you know, I'm sure a lot of women are like, well, I don't want to put on muscle. They're scared that they, this whole fallacy of I'm going to get big and like, a, and it, it just doesn't happen, you know, unless you're doing steroids. So the muscle, the more muscle you have, the more fat you're going to burn off and the better you're going to look and the better you're going to feel. And I try to drill that into the, my feet, my women's heads and usually most of them get it. So you have to maintain the proper nutrition. You got to maintain adequate protein intake, make sure they're doing resistance training and all. And there's many other things I'll get into while I'm doing these, the semaglutide to maintain their muscle mass. So you don't lose that muscle. And even if they are starting to, at some point, there's different ways to shift that and add some other peptides or rotate in some other peptides to go into that. So in other words, in the beginning, you're focusing on fat, but then you're going to pivot and start focusing on maintaining or building muscle mass while you're still losing fat. So there's very strategic ways that you can rotate these, these, these protocols to prevent that from happening. So it's that way, it can, if you're, again, if it's done right, it's not going to be a problem. Now, if it's done improperly, yeah, it can be a problem. It could be a big problem because when we're post uh, menopausal, we don't want to become frail and fractures and falls are a big deal. And we studied this in gerontology. It was a whole course on fall prevention. Like, why are we studying this so much? Because people die when they have a fall and a fracture. And it's not from the fall, but uh, well, they can be from the fall, but there's all could be also complications. And and the statistics were very high. And I, yeah, so we don't want to be, we want to be strong and we want to be independent. We want to be mobile and agile, not to have somebody carry our groceries all the time. We want to be uh, strong. So that's very, very important, I think, for a woman going through uh, menopause. We don't want to lose our muscle mass. And so I'm wondering, yeah, it, it, so you were saying that we can use a semi-glutide with the right appropriate uh, training and make sure that we are exercising and getting our protein or make sure that we build or maintain that muscle mass because um, that's important. Is there, are there any studies that have been done where 
women are training and eating their protein and they, and they still lose muscle mass through, through the semi-glutines or do you not know? Yeah. I'm not aware of any long-term studies yet because it just hasn't been around long enough yet. Um, I think most of the studies are doing body comp analysis and, and these and showing mostly more fat mass loss. But again, most of these studies like the surpass trial, for example, is I think up to 40 weeks. That's about as far as we've got so far, unless there's some out there I'm not aware of that are new, but again, it hasn't even been around that long yet. So kind of like any other diet, if someone diets very aggressively, they're going to lose a lot of fat. But if they, if they're, you know, if it's like a 30% deficit or more, you're going to start losing some muscle for sure. Uh, it, that's why you don't want to do a long-term major deficit just on a, on a diet, for example, you want to rotate that in and do some refeeds, et cetera. Same thing here. You want to rotate in certain protocols as a, you know, with the peptides to build that muscle mass or maintain it. If that's starting to happen, um, again, early on, are you going to lose all this muscle in a couple months? No, of course not. You're going to lose more fat. Uh, and most of these people have, don't have enough fat or have way too much anyway, and they're going to lose again. Most people, as they start leaning out though, and start losing that fat, that's, that's when you have to really start paying attention to their muscle mass, their strength and their performance. But we're talking three, six, 12 months kind of thing. And again, you, you know, hopefully, you know, whoever you're working with is monitoring that you're getting some body composition, your you measurements and assessing your strength, et cetera, and looking at these things. And, and if you are noticing that, the, that the, you're starting to lose some muscle mass, you're going to pivot. And, and rotate out a different strategy. Cause again, like you said, it's muscle mass is hugely important. That's my biggest thing is keeping that muscle mass on. So let's shift and get you back and focusing on building up that muscle. And I see that a lot with, uh, with my women at the hormone therapy too, as you mentioned, because you know, mo most of my, my perimenopause, menopause women, I'm, I'm going to put them, be putting them on a hormone plan too, as you mentioned, cause I, I want to maintain that muscle mass. I want to maintain that bone strength and that balance as things like the appropriate estradiol and these other hormones that most people think of just for mood and stuff, but well, they have cognitive effects and it helps them keep their balance and helps their, as you mentioned, their balance and their mobility. So they don't fall and have injuries and it keeps their bones thick and strong. And then of course, we're also focusing on the muscles as we talked about too. So it's a great one, two punch. So yes, it sounds like semaglutide is sort of that it's a little bit further down the road. Once you've cleaned up your diet, your lifestyle, got the hormone optimization, and you're really doing everything you can. Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Hack My Age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about these other camps. So you're very pro. It sounds like there's amazing benefits to it. The so the just to make things clear that the the people who are like no 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 we got to be careful because there could be pancreatitis. People feel vomiting. People have um, I think they get nauseous right on this as well. They can. They can. Yeah. Maybe the loss of muscle mass if it, and you're saying if not done appropriately. And there was one other thing that I've heard that I've heard some people go off at, and then they just regain it right back, or they gain double, or, you know, does this rebound effect happen in general? Like, what does literature say? And what are you seeing in your clients? Yeah, that's a great question. And as you mentioned, I'm, I'm forward, I use it a lot, but I've turned people away, you know, from using it for if it doesn't fit what they need, because I don't feel as as we talked about earlier, it's not perfect for everybody. Same with hormones, there are people I'll say, No, I'm not going to do that for you, because I don't think you need it. And here's why. You know, I want, you know, again, I try to be as balanced as possible. I want to try to do things in their best interest. So 
it's the right tool for the right job. I mean, I, I am a, I'm a fan of using as long as it's done properly. Same with hormones. If it's done properly and you're doing it the right way, but I'm not just going to give it willy nilly to anybody and everybody who wants it. It just doesn't work that way. So that's kind of how my approach. And again, the whole thing is treating the whole picture and you have to look for me, it's almost like a chess game. You have to play the game now and you have to look ahead to the future. Because again, if you're doing these medications like semaglutide or hormones, and you're not addressing the other things. Are you addressing their gut issues? Are you addressing their inflammation, their lifestyle, their sleep, all these things, they all have to be put into place. And those usually take a little bit longer, but they can be done. And if those are done, then you're going to do well down the road. But if you're not, if you're not doing those things, you're not planning ahead for what could happen. That's when you're hearing these bad stories. So are there people that regain their way after they stopping it? Yeah, absolutely. But typically they're the people who haven't been working with someone to do these things. They're just like, give me the shot and I'm just going to go keep eating my carbs and keep living my life. And then guess what? When they stop the shot, they're going to regain kind of like people that just do keto and they do it for months and months. And then they go back and start eating carbs again. Then they blow it up. Right. So it's like you have to plan ahead and you have to do it. You have to strategize and work with someone who can help you strategize to do it the right way. So if you get your gut fixed, if you get your hormones fixed, your lifestyle and all these things in order, then you can slowly wean off and get off this stuff and you don't have to be on it and you'll be fine. Will some people gain weight, a little bit of weight back? Yeah. And I've not seen a lot of weight gain regain in my patients as of yet, but I, I've heard stories from other people who have, but again, it's usually the people that have just not done the, or not done the right things, you know, like, like the girl you mentioned is just going to keep doing their thing and just, you know, take the shot. And then guess what? You're going to have a bad outcome. Um, you got to have all those chess pieces in place and plan and strategize for what's next down the road and plan ahead for, if you don't fix the gut, if you don't fix these things. Yeah, you're going to rebound, period. I mean, that's just the facts of the game. But if you do it right, then you're going to have a good outcome. So to be clear, both you and I have used the word carbs as if they're bad. So we're not here to demonize carbs. Oh, I <laughs> love we, carbs. When we say carbs, yeah, we mean like those high refined, um, an imbalance of highly refined carbs, like just too much of the donuts and the chips and the the, the garbage food is what we actually meant to say. So carbs are Definitely. good, just the right ones. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, I love my carbs. I eat a lot of carbs. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me too. So Let's let's uh, just want to ask about the women's hormones, because now, you know, hormone, women's hormones and, you know, the, the, the peptides. Are there any effects uh, on a woman's hormones, good or bad, um, that when she takes a semi-deglutide in this period of life? Um, in terms of like uh, any effects on like, for example, progesterone, estrogen, thyroid, testosterone, et cetera. No, not really. Um, there are some effects on some of the other things. For example, it, it has some it can affect some of the other peptides and neurochemicals in the brain, like what we call the orexigenic uh, peptides. In other words, it, 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 that's one of the ways it works is it kind of decreases appetite and that hedonic eating, that, that desire that drives. So it's more like a dopamine serotonin kind of effect, but in terms of effect on like the thyroid hormone, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, I'm not aware of any interactions there. In the end, it's going to probably benefit that because by the anti-inflammatory effects on the body, reducing that insulin resistance, it's improving the health of the pancreas, um, helping the pancreas cells to survive that whole, you hear people talk about apoptosis and autophagy and all this kind of stuff. It, it basically helps the cells and the tissues to work better. So by reducing inf that inflammation and the, by reducing that weight, more than likely it's going to help everything down the road because a lot of these inflammatory molecules from obesity or from insulin resistance, they can adversely affect everything in our body, right? And, but it, and including our hormones, you know, stress and hormones and uh, all these inflammatory molecules can severely adverse adversely affect our hormones like testosterone, estrogen, and thyroid. So by reducing, if anything, it would have a beneficial effect. Um, but I don't see anything negative happening. At least I'm not aware of anything as of yet. But I monitor all those things anyway. And a lot of my patients, especially my women, are uh, being evaluated or treated for hormone therapy anyway. So I'm I'm always monitoring all that. 
to begin with. What about the thyroid? Because I think there were some studies done on mice showing an increase in thyroid cancer. So, and, and I so know some doctors don't want to use any stomach glutides if you've had a history of thyroid or if somebody has a an suboptimal thyroid. Can they take a stomach glutide? What would you do? Yeah, great, great question. Um, that was a they, it was primarily a rat study, but they they specifically looked at a particular type of thyroid cancer called MEN multiple like endocrine neoplasia, I forget the exact name, but it's like a, a specific type of thyroid cancer called MEN. If you have that, you cannot, no, you cannot take it. I mean, could you? Maybe. Again, it wasn't a human study, but you know, we, you know, we're not going to mess around and no, no physician is going to take their chances. So other thyroid cancers, it's not really been studied, but it was really that particular kind. But if someone has an active cancer, we're probably not going to be putting them on peptides or hormones anyway, um, just because, I mean, they're probably fine, but again, that's a whole no, that's a whole nother level and they need to get that taken care of first. So that's the only specific kind. And I've only, <laughs> I've only had one patient who had a history of that in their family. Um, so we did something else and there's other molecules I use instead of um, semaglutide that can be helpful for weight loss, other peptides, other small molecules, and some cool therapeutics that I have access to uh, through my physician network. So, um, but that's the only, that's the only thing to, to be concerned about that and the pancreatitis issue, which I mentioned earlier. What about the differences it, whether it's in the literature or I don't know if you've seen it in your clients between a woman in her fifties and say a woman in her seventies. And I'm thinking of the woman who's listening to this podcast may have a mother who may she's considering it for, or a father, let's say for that matter. What's the difference that like, is there, are, do you see any different, like does, does a woman in her fifties need to be, con have different concerns or how would they take the semaglutide or different results than an older woman? Yeah, it's a great point. Great question. I think it go, it would it would it would depend. I think it would depend on their overall health and their lifestyle and their their literally their physical and metabolic structure. Because you know you could be seventy and in pretty good shape and have good muscle mass, or you could be seventy and massively overweight and have very poor muscle mass and not very active. So I'd take a very different approach with those two women. Um, you know, like we talked about earlier with the muscle mass issue, it would be something. I would, if if she was say seventy, I would just be more conservative with my treatment approach and be try to hit all of the other uh, aspects of their healthcare because they probably got a lot of other issues going on metabolically in their and in their health. They could have some underlying cardiovascular disease. They may have some early osteoporosis. They may have decreased muscle mass or decreased mobility. So I want to address all those factors uh, as well. Can you use it in a seven-year-old? Absolutely. Of course. And again, you're not going to drop someone's muscle mass in you know a couple months, but it would be something I would definitely pay more attention to and be more aggressive and monitor and do a lot more evaluation of them to, to look at all those factors. There's just a lot more the short answer is yes, you can do it, but the, you, there's a lot of other factors to look at and to monitor and to address for sure. Now, women also are at higher risk of osteoporosis, and that means a drop in the bone density that puts us at risk for these fractures. And are semi-glutides affecting the bone density at all? Not really. Um, there have been a few, some of those studies that we're looking at, it's effect on that, on like I mentioned earlier, on the effects on the heart and effects on the brain. Um, I think there were some effects looking at how it affects some of the other um, cytokines and inflammatory molecules and, and that, that can work on the bone. I surmise that it would be more of a beneficial effect, but I don't think there's any direct effect on making bone thicker or making it thinner. So it's going to be more of a metabolic effect more than anything. But I would, I would, I would uh, you know, again, to my point earlier that I think by lowering that inflammation, reducing your adiposity, your fat mass, reducing those inflammatory markers, the antioxidant effects, if anything, that's probably going to be more beneficial to your bones because those are all things that are tearing down your bone anyway. So I think that'd be uh, very helpful for that. So let's talk a little bit about the actual process. The in case people don't know, 
that when we're talking about these semaglutides, we're talking about injectables that you need to inject yourself. I know there are some, I think, uh, I I don't know if there was, are there, I think there was some pill form or supplement form. I'm not really sure. Tell us, how do people take this? What does it look like in a day for someone going, deciding to jump on on the semaglutide bandwagon? Yeah, for sure. So with, if you're doing semaglutide or terzepatide or any of these, they are injectable peptides. But the nice thing is because of their half-life, meaning how long they stay in your body, it's a one, typically a once a week injection. They do it by themselves, right? At home. Yeah. Someone could do it for them or they can do it themselves, but it's pretty easy. It's just a liquid. It's just a liquid. So it's very easy to inject. So, you know, just kind of like the other, pep, most of the other peptides I use are injectables. Some of my hormones are injectables. So most people will inject, say like the upper outer butt or hip area. Uh, you can do like the stomach area or the thigh, whether there's a little bit of meat there, a little bit of skin and fat. So you don't have to contort yourself. It's not difficult. I mean, I've done it myself and most of my patients do just fine, but it is a once a week injectable. So it's not difficult. There are a lot of peptides I use that are, are given like five or six days a week. So it's a little more time demanding. It's it's super easy, but um, but once a week, I think is pretty doable. Um, now, there are other other substances and products that I've used um, that have other formulations. For example, if I'm using something like a 5-amino-1-MQ or another weight loss drug called tesofensine, which is awesome, it's a pill, That's which is kind of nice. That can be taken daily. So there are other alternatives. If someone is like, oh, my God, I just can't do needles. There's just no way. I've got other, I've got other options. So <laughs> Are they as effective? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. Tesofensine is fantastic. The, uh, especially if it's uh, a little bit of a less less weight or if there's a lot of craving appetite issues, but it's been been around for a while as well. And I'm, I've, I've, I've seen some pretty good results with that one too. Testofensine, is that what you said? Testofensine, yeah. Testofensine, interesting. Okay, so there are alternatives. Is that a peptide or is that something? No, it's not. Technically, it's not a peptide. It is a medication. It's a drug uh, that's used. It's a what we call a triple monoamine uptake reinhibitor. That's a mouthful. So it kind of blocks the uptake, uh, reuptake. So you have more dopamine, serotonin, and noradrenaline floating around your body. So it eliminates, uh, it cuts down on the food cravings, that desire to eat bad stuff, and it increases the metabolism, fat burning, et cetera. So it kind of a triple whammy effect. So especially for someone who maybe they have like that 10 pounds, just maybe 10, 15 pounds to use to lose. That's a great one. Or it can help, especially if they're very active, it can sometimes help a little bit with performance. Um, and if they just don't like needles, right? So um, I use that, and I have a couple other other molecules that that come in a pill form that work great for fat loss, and if they if they just don't want to do the injectables too. So there's some other options out there for people that are freaking out about the needles. <laughs> <laughs> so the when we talk about semaglutides, then azempic is one, and the Manjaro, and you you mentioned the word terzepatide, and that is that different than a semaglutide. It is. It's kind of the new kid on the block, uh, which I've been uh, starting to use as well. It's a it's a GLP-1 blocker like semaglutide, but it also has what's called uh, GIP. Uh, another, it's another increased molecule, and it has kind of a dual effect on the gut. And, and some of the studies are showing even more weight loss uh, than semaglutide with less side effects in terms of meaning. Because so, as we mentioned earlier, some people will get some nausea, some stomach upset with semaglutide, uh, especially at the higher doses. But most of my, I've only had one patient who had an issue, and then I backed it down and I played around with them and now they're fine. But most of the time, if you do it right, it's not an issue. But some people can't do it. But the terzepatide has reported less incidence of side effects. And some of the head-to-head studies they've done have actually had even more weight loss than semaglutide. Um, but it, it is also a once-a-week injectable. But So it works a little bit differently. It's also an incretin, like, like I said, the GLP-1, but also has it works on another receptor called GIP, uh, which is another natural hormone made in the body. So it's, it's kind of like they said, this is a new player on the block and it's been around for a little bit and being used as well. How long have 
but weight loss peptides in general uh, been on the market and 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 how long have they been studied? That's a good um that's a good question. I don't know the exact year. I know, I mean, I've been reading about them. We started studying them back back when I was in the International Peptide Society years ago. So I think it's been, gosh, at least a decade or two decades since they've really been studied and looked at. I think as I mentioned with the liraglutide was studied for Alzheimer's, gosh, in the early 2000s. I don't remember the exact year, but it's been around for a while. Oh, that's good to know. So we know at least for 10 or 20 years the side effects or the benefits or whatever the outcomes are. We're not really sure what's going to happen 30, 40, 50 years from now, but we'll uh, we'll see. So it sounds like terzepatide as the new kid in the block may be more effective or more less fewer side effects. That may be a better one. What are the differences between Ozempic, terzepatide, uh, Monjaro, which is the terzepatide, Wigovi is another, Ribolsis, I think is, is another. There's so many now. What are the differences? <laughs> Yeah, mostly it comes down to formulation and costs. You know, most of the semaglutides, the Ozempics, et cetera. Uh, a lot of people will try to go through insurance to get them covered through insurance. And a lot of times they either can't get it or it's really expensive. Um, I usually uh, will get them if I can't do it that way. I'll usually use one of my compounding pharmacies, which I use for my hormones anyway. And they, they're all certified FDA approved uh, pharmacies and they can make any formulation concentration that it wants. So I usually go that route. Same with the trizepatide. Trizepatide is a little more expensive than the semaglutide, but um, but that'd be the, really the only difference, uh, it, you know, so it's just really which company is making it. And they of course have their own names and things like that. So how long does somebody generally stay on this and what is the cost? Yeah. So, you know, and, and you mentioned like long-term studies, I think that's a great point because, you know, again, we, ideally, you know, I don't want somebody to be on this for 20 years and, you know, well, let's do it for like a year or two and try to, you know, get all those other factors into play and rotate to a different strategy, get you off of it, maybe do some other peptides and maybe get you off those and then you're good to go. You don't have to be on any of them forever. And nor do I think most people, nor do I want me. You, hormones are kind of a different matter because if you're taking them, especially if you're, you know, if you're a menopausal woman, you're just not going to make your own estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. You're just going to need to take it the rest of your life. Um, there's no harm in that. We've been on it our whole lives. And there, there are a lot of longer term studies for, you know, 30, 40 years. So totally comfortable with that. And I think that's great. The, the studies are out there ad nauseum, tons of them, you know, so um, in terms of cost, you know, of course, everybody has different spins. I run mine as programs. I have different weight loss uh, programs. I have peptide programs and hormone programs. So I kind of run it almost like a coaching program, right? So with the, with the weight loss, like I have my, basically my results oriented protocols. So I'm kind of like a VIP program where basically you'll do like a three month program with me. We'll have weekly coaching calls, content videos that I'll do every week and we prescribe the medications. So there's a lot more accountability, more coaching. And I'll help you with nutrition, with fitness and all these other things. And I kind of bundle that all together and into this program. And it's like, you know, and you get your medications for three months. So it's, it's right around, you know, I think it's around 2,400 bucks. Now, if someone's like, oh, I can't do that. It's, you know, can we, I have other tiers. If it's something they did, they just want the medication. They don't want all the coaching, the education, the newsletter, you know, all the information, basically me at your beck and call every day of the week. If you don't want that, we can do less than that. And people are charging all kinds of different rates for this. It's kind of all over the place, anywhere from, you know, 300 to 500 bucks a month or more it just depends on where you go to. So, but I've got different programs to address people's budgets and how much accountability. Some people really want that coaching and handholding and accountability, which they need it. And other people just, they just want to see me every couple of months and talk to me and, and they're good. They, they've got everything they're, they're dialed in. Otherwise. So I try to mold my programs around what they want. I can see some people getting their peptides online or through somebody who's not qualified because they want to save money it, there's it sounds like a, there, it's still going to be a high cost even if you did go that route and then there may be 
consequences that cost you even more money down the road if you do they take the shortcut. So, but it's still so it's it's still kind of expensive. And so even if you were to go down that route. So it's a uh, it's not something I see going on for years and years and I I'm wondering I've heard that some people go on it for uh, eight, nine months, and then they go off it. And then there's some sort of a maintenance dose that they may do, because I'm thinking of the person who's like, okay, I want to do this. I want to invest in it. Okay. How can I, uh, how much is this going to cost me? And it will cost you thousands of dollars to actually get to your point. So, um, which may be better than all the money that you spent doing something else because you've tried everything else and nothing else works. And I'm not saying that I just want people to understand that that there that this is this is a cost and hopefully it will get cheaper because I think some populations who need it the most will not have access to it and until the prices come down. So what's the you know we is there is that true? When do people actually start to see the weight loss and then can they just stop right then or do they have to continue? Yeah, for sure. So the first part of your question was yes. I mean there is a cost, but you know health is wealth. You know I spend a ton of money on my supplements and hormones and peptides and a lot of my patients do and it's worth it to me because. I feel better. I'm more empowered. I'm going to be more productive and it's going to pay off in the end. I want to live in a very damn long time, very productively. So to me, it's worth it. Some people may not be worth it. Uh, so that's a judgment call, but you're right. You don't want to just be buying. You don't want to, I don't like the people that are just, you know, price shopping online. I want the cheapest testosterone. I want the cheapest semaglutide. I want the cheapest this, because they're not the people that are invested in their health. You know, they're paying for, you know, whether it's me or one of my colleagues, they're paying for our time and our expertise and all, everything we've been studying and learning for years to counsel you, to guide you, to coach you. And to help you with this and there's a cost of that and there's a value to that i feel like um because anybody can go buy something but you have to know how to use it right you know can i can i go watch a youtube video on how to fix a car or fly a plane um maybe but is that the best thing probably not you know so can anybody you know go to these courses and read a book on hormones and and tell someone how to use hormones probably not they think they can i see it all the time on social media but i'm telling you they don't because then they come to me and i have to fix them i see them when they get messed up same with the peptides so you have to invest in your health if you're going to do it right. It's the only way to do it is to do it right and safely, you know, and if someone's not appropriate, you know, and I don't feel it's, I'm going to turn them away. I, I, to me, it's not about, you know, getting clients. I want my patients to feel good and to get their best outcome, whether it's me or someone, even if it's someone else, I don't care if, if I can guide them in the right direction. That's what's important is the long term. You know, my whole mantra is live to give. I want people to feel good and be able to give back to other people. That's my whole thing. Um, but in terms of, you know, are they on this for a long time? They can be, was that the question? How, how soon can they get off it? When do they start seeing results? Oh, results. Yeah. So typically it's within the first few months, depending on how aggressive we can, we can dose them. And again, everything else, if they're dialing in the nutrition exercise, where are they starting from? I guess, you know, a couch potato versus an active person. But a lot of the studies were starting to see results in the first few months. They did some studies. They did some longer term studies. I think like the surpassed trials were like, I think like 40 weeks, you know, so they, the majority of people were you know losing anywhere from five to 15% of their body weight in that time period. Um, but some studies have indicated a much, you know, five to you know, 15% of their weight, you know, even within, you know, a few months, you know what I mean? So um, I've had patients who've lost, you know, in the first couple of months, have lost, you know, 15 to 20 pounds. Uh, other people are a little bit slower. I think, truthfully, the slower, the better, I feel like, you know, as you know, everybody can lose 20 pounds in a couple of weeks, but is that safe? Is that, are you going to rebound? You know, there's, you know, I remember when I wrestled, I, you know, I could drop five pounds in a day, right? And is that the best thing long-term? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. but I feel in general, slower is better, you know, a pound or two a week. But again, as you know, most people want to lose it. They don't lose it all right now, right? They want a quick result. So the short answer is, yeah, usually within the first couple of months, the first month is usually kind of a feeling out, starting on a low dose, make sure they can tolerate it. They don't have side effects. They're not having any problems. And then we slowly increase the dose while we're working on lifestyle, diet. And so start 
starting month two and three really starts to kick up. And that's where I'm seeing a lot of people month two, month three, month four, it's really starting to snowball at that point. Um, and I've had, you know, again, if they're doing these things, they get there pretty quick and then they can taper off and either do like a maintenance or just stop it. Like I have one patient who, who got to where he wanted pretty quickly and he just stopped. And then I think like six, six months later, he said, Hey, I'm going to do it for try it just for like a month or two. And I think we did it like a once, once, a once a month for like a month or two. And then that was it just to kind of maintain. Then he kind of just stopped it again and he's been maintaining ever since. So um, that's the key is to get them, get them on, get them off it, get them where they need to be. Perfect. You've got two programs. We're going to have uh, the links for the weight loss for women, the primexweightloss.com. And you've got a hormone and peptide program for women called Dr. Eric primex.com. I'm going to have links to this in the show notes and as well, your Instagram, your Facebook, your YouTube link with for Dr. Eric Fett. Hi, how are you doing? It's really interesting because as you were talking, I went and had a look at my stats. And although I have lost, I have lost fat, I have also lost muscle mass, despite the fact that I continue to train as much as I did before I started as MPEC. So I guess how much do you think is too much muscle, you know, mass lost? It's going to um, it's going to depend on where you started and what your goals are and I guess where you are. I mean, I think, you know, if you're losing, I don't know how much you've lost, but, you know, if some people will lose if you lose a few pounds or something. That's one thing. But now if you're losing, I, you know, for me, I don't want to I want to minimize the muscle loss as much as yeah. possible. Um, but if you're losing, you know, five, 10, 15 pounds, gosh, that's a tremendous amount. But even a pound or two is that's probably, you know, try to let's try to stop that and then and, and reverse it. And we can there's things we can do to help you put the muscle back on. I definitely want to stop that pretty quick. Yeah. So I've lost about 11 kilos and about four of that is muscle mass. That's a lot. No, it sounds That's like a lot. lot. I would want to pivot at that point and try to focus on okay. putting some muscle mass back on because that, that in turn will um, slow the tide. And, and by putting that muscle mass back on is going to help your metabolism, help your insulin sensitivity, and help you burn more fat. So I think we could okay. start flipping that a little bit, teeter totter a little bit. You can still keep losing the fat. It may slow a smidge. But as you put muscle back on, it's going to start dropping more, if that makes sense. Yep, it does. So I'm not sure what all you're doing or how much you're using, but there are other peptides or other protocols that we could do to, you know, help maintain or build that muscle mass back up while you're still losing some fat. So that's what I would recommend. Okay. And and so I'm on these, I'm on the Zempic and I'm on a milligram of that once a week. Okay. And it's been really effective and I've been really pleased. And, and I was really interested to hear your comments about the cognitive effect because now that you mention it, I have definitely noticed I am much sharper and, le- and less, of the, less of the sort of meno brain where I just don't remember stuff or, I, you know, I'm definitely much sharper. So I do find it great, but um, it, was, it was something I wasn't aware of is to keep checking in on my muscle mass because, you know, I train, I train reasonably hard but um, I'm clearly not, you know, I'm, I'm clearly, you know, it, the, the weight loss has slowed down and, and obviously I am losing muscle rather than fat at the moment. I would probably, I would definitely in, increase your protein intake. I don't know how much you're doing, but I would increase even further. You can go up to two or three grams per kilo, you know, really. And that's a lot, but a lot of people yeah. just don't eat enough protein or amino acid. You could do amino acid drinks if you can't do protein drinks, but especially my women, I, I really have to push my women to in, increase. They've done some studies on protein intake and even without peptides, just modifying their protein intake. And you can get muscle accretion and um, or, or, or maintenance or growth and fat loss just by increasing your protein intake. And like I said, some, some are really high protein up to two or three grams per kilo, which is a lot. But the bare minimum, everybody talks about a gram per pound, right? Or 1.7 to two grams per kilo. 
Um, but most people don't even do that. But if you could bump that up even more, I think that'll help you tremendously. And, and you know, they're starting to talk to me about tapering um, and about starting to come off or, or reduce down. Um, you know, I've got, I'm now in a sort of normal way, you know, BMI. You know, what's your experience of what's the best way to do that? I think basically once you kind of get to your target weight, you want to maintain that dose. You don't want to go up or down, you know, leave it there for maybe another month or two and then slowly start to come down on that dose. Take go back down the opposite direction while while you're doing all the other, all the other things too. And, and you could start going back down right away if you want to, but I think if you're where you want to be, then just maintain it for another month or so and then start to go back down. But I would definitely up the proteins. I don't know if you've had your I don't know, or how old you are, if you looked at your hormones or anything, that'd be something else I'd look at as well. Cause if you're Estrogen, thyroid, testosterone is not, DHEA is not optimized, and that can be a huge player for your muscle mass and your metabolism as well. Okay. I take HRT, so it, they sh- you know, it should be relatively stable. You know, it's been a really interesting drug to be on, and I'm aware that it's the reason I pop, popped into the pro- podcast is because I was chatting to Zora during the week and, and, and said, oh, look, I am on the Zempic, and it's been very, you know, but I worry about what happens when I go off it. It's a, it's a, it's a definitely something you want to watch. And, you know, uh, like we talked about on the, on the show, you know, make sure everything sounds like you're, you're training well. You know, I think by increasing your protein intake and make, keeping an eye on your hormones and inflammatory markers, um, I think you could definitely minimize any weight rebound if you do, if you do it properly. And have you had any, um, just as a sort of side effect, you know, have you had any clients that report, you know, it doesn't mix well with alcohol um, and it's quite a, it's quite a positive, you know, you know, as a, as a person that likes a glass of wine, uh, it's quite a positive effect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not had anybody had any any adverse issues with the alcohol. I've although I've heard of some people saying that it, they 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 can't do the alcohol, and other people said that it didn't bother them. So I've I've kind of heard both. I, I definitely can't mix. You know, it it just does not mix well with alcohol. Which, as you mentioned, may or may not be a bad thing, right? Depending on how much you're drinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just you know it has definitely sort of you know wound down the you know sort of ability to sort of have lots and lots of you know have a really good night out i just don't don't feel like it yeah yeah <laughs> it's the same with the carbs most people don't can't do a lot of carbs although i know Zor mentioned someone who's still eating a lot of carbs i guess some people can but a lot of people they get a little more queasy when when they eat a lot of carbs while they're on which is a good thing probably because they're probably eating too much but again i've, I've heard both sides so well good sound like you're doing good up the good work thanks Thanks very much. Absolutely. We're going to have to let you go. Wow. this You've answered so many great questions. I'm so pleased. I really encourage everybody to find you on Instagram, Dr. Eric Fett. You're on Facebook, Eric Fett and Primex Cellular Nutrition Fitness. You've got some, got some great YouTube videos. I'll have links to everything in the show notes. Is there any last words that you'd like to say for a woman going through menopause? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I hope I provide some value and happy to be back on anytime. Uh, for the ladies out there, just keep plugging away and keep pushing it and be aggressive. You know, work at it. You know, like we talked about, you know, make sure you're hitting the weights, you're eating the protein, you're doing all those things and look at look at everything. Address the hormones, address all the other markers because these are things that you don't have to go silently into the night. You can be, you know, a, a lioness as you go forward and get stronger and better as you get aged. So don't get despaired that I'm going to menopause. Everything's going to crap. No, you could be better and 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 find someone that can help you, whether it's me or someone else. But attack the world and and have at it, girl. <laughs> Great, thank you so much. Have a good thank day. Thank you so much, Zora. You too. Talk to you soon. 
Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.